0: Church, I want to report to you and share with you a praise that God has been working in our midst. Now I want you to know that over the last number of weeks that it's been a privilege to pray with some of you here at the altar and to be praying uh, with, with people like you in between services, and God is giving us victory, amen. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to share all the details, but I want you to know I'm I'm seeing fathers and sons have peace in the relationship again. I'm seeing men and women who are set free from pride and men and women who are, are surrendering their life for God to do everything He wants to do in them, and there's victory there. We need to not take for granted that not only does God want to move in our church, God is moving in our church. Amen? You know, not everybody a believer... Uh, Believers around uh, the globe today, especially in America, can say I'm seeing evidence of people cooperating with God Sometimes there's pockets of disobedience There's pockets of resistance and God is working in our midst and I want to celebrate that with you today I want to remind you before we get to the, the the heart of the message today that God Has called us here at Grace Point to celebrate him big on the weekend when we gather on Sunday morning, a number of months we talked about this, a number of months ago we talked about celebrating God in spirit and in truth. In Sunday mornings, we worship Him, we give glory and honor to Him in our big corporate gatherings. And if, if this is the only place that you gather, as good as it is, you need to know that's half of who God has called us to be. We also connect in groups and classes all over the place. And, and God wants us to be connected to his body. Amen? And, and if you don't make the effort, if you don't intentionally seek out a class or group to be a part of, you're welcome here. But I want you to know, you're going to be frustrated. I want you to know, don't wait till a crisis happens in your life till then you recognize you need a support system and go, where is everybody? I want to invite you in. Talk to me or one of the staff. We want to help you find a group or a class that you can get plugged into. You see, because for us, I can clearly see in my mind at least, that God wants to create in us hundreds of Christ-like connectional communities, united in prayer, intentionally impacting Fort Wayne and the world around us out of the overflow of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts. Now, that's a big, long sentence full of a lot of pastor words. And that's not... Pastorally speaking or some kind of exaggeration hundreds uh, I really believe that God wants to have hundreds of Christ-like connectional communities and guess what they all won't fit in this building And that's okay Some of them are going to meet in places that you work Some of them may meet in restaurants or coffee shops. Some of them may meet in homes One of them may meet in your home now it'd be good if you'd know that before it starts, but uh, I, I believe God can do this God, God wants us in classes and in groups to care for one another, learn from his word, and serve somebody besides ourselves. And I just want to briefly share with you, I am pumped about what God is preparing us for and launching some more of these Christ-like connectional communities, some of these groups. And if you have some kind of desire in your heart to lead a small group here at Grace Point, come talk to me. Because it may very well be that God is speaking to you. We're getting ready to start a school of leadership. And I'll explain more about that later on. But if that's something you've already been prompted by the Holy Spirit, you come and talk to me. I'd love to clue you in on what's going to be happening in September. God is working in our midst to care for one another, learn from his word together, and serve somebody besides ourselves. That last one, getting outside of ourself. I want us to continue on our series this morning that's been entitled, Unlearn. As we talked last week, half of learning is learning, the other half is unlearning. It's hard to unlearn some things, but it's important. It's kind of like when you get on the highway and you miss your exit. And you have to go to the next exit and you're going a mile out of your direction And then you have to double back and go a mile back the other way Every mile you go the wrong way is really like a two-mile error and, And it's that unlearning process that's uncomfortable and costly but very necessary There are some things that I believe God wants us to unlearn, to let go of, so we can learn and carry the things that he wants us to have. Things that maybe we have always thought it should be a way. We've heard this from our friends. We've heard it from our family. We've heard it from our therapists. We may even heard it from well-meaning people in the church. And yet, Jesus says, you've heard it this way, but I tell you, there's another way. What is it possibly that God would have us unlearn about witnessing? Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 10 and put one finger there and take another finger of your choice and put it in Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at Matthew and at Luke together. As you're looking at Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to be reading from the paraphrase called the message. And most likely you have a different translation, which is, which is good in your hand. But I want you to follow along and listen and allow these words to become dynamic as you hear this paraphrase mixed with what you're reading in your hand. Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 1. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the ripe fields. He gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. Skip down to verse 5 of Matthew 10. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by taking on some public enemy. Verse 6. Go to the lost, the confused people, right in your neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to their sickness. Touch the untouchable kick out the demons you have been treated generously so live Generously verse 9 don't think that you have to put on some kind of fundraising campaign before you start You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day travel light Then at verse 12 when you knock on a door be courteous in your greeting if they welcome you be gentle in your conversation if they don't welcome you quietly withdraw Don't make a scene shrug your shoulders and be on your way. You can be sure that on judgment day They will be sorry Stay alert. This is hazardous work. I'm assigning to you. You are going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack So don't call unnecessary attention to yourself. Give the attention to me Don't be naive Some people will try to get at you for your motive. Some people will smear your reputation. Some people will not get it. As we begin to see, Jesus is telling his disciples, it's time to go. Don't worry about what you have or don't have. Don't worry about what you will say or won't say. Go and be my witnesses. We see in Acts Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you and you will be my witnesses. It's not power for yourself. It's power to speak about the name of Jesus Christ. Now turn over to Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, we find some very similar words. I'll be reading a few verses from the NIV. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And Jesus is sending the 12 jesus sends the 72 he's sending them out and he's saying this is a part of being a follower of me We don't get a loophole here friends and say well, i'm a christian the kind of christian that's not sent out I'm, the kind of christian that does not witness i'm the kind of christian that doesn't need to be concerned about the great commission I'm, just kind of an american christian and that may be some kind of thing, but it's not a follower of jesus verse 2 He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Verse 3, go. I am sending you like lambs among wolves. And talks about all the stuff you don't need to bring. Just go in my name. There's some things I believe God wants us to unlearn about witnessing. Unlearn about sharing the good news. Unlearn about sharing the gospel. The first thing that we need to unlearn is this. That the gospel is a sales pitch We need to unlearn this I don't know where we picked this up That to share your faith To share the good news To present the gospel To witness You have to have this great sales pitch I'll never forget uh, being in Oskaloosa, Iowa When I was in junior high And in the youth group there On Tuesday nights They did Tuesday night calling Now this was not involving cell phones It didn't involve landline phones It didn't have any phone involved And and what it was is you'd show up and the youth pastor would cram as many people who they could into a van It was highly illegal. I'm sure the insurance companies were not excited A 15 passenger van could hold like 20 some it was amazing and we'd all get in this van And then we had all prepared what was called a prospect list of somebody that To the best of our knowledge didn't know jesus and so we were going to go I don't know like knock on their door and share jesus with them And so the youth pastor led us, and I was scared to death, and and we come up to this first house. I didn't know who they were. They weren't on my list, and and I was the one sent to knock on the door. And I knock on the door, and the person answered the door. Now, I had really been hoping that no one would answer the door, but somebody answered the door. And now I had to figure out what to say, but I had my cheat sheet with me. And and I pulled out my cheat sheet, and, and as they were there, I began to walk through my cheat sheet, but I messed it up. It was the four spiritual laws, but but I fumbled up the four. I came up with nine, and I don't know how I had nine spiritual laws. And, and, and what I said it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And when I got done, there appeared to be very little effect, and and I was very discouraged. And we went on to the next. The next house that we went to was Pat Shanks' house. I, I knew this name because I had put Pat down. Pat and I played football together there, the Oskaloosa Indians at the junior high school. And, and we went to Pat's house, and I knocked on the door, and they sent me because I knew him. By the way, I'm going, well, is anybody else in the band going to do this? Why do I keep being sent out? So I, I go up to Pat's door, and I knock on his door, and he's there. And I said, well, Pat, I had something I wanted to share with you. And, and I look, and my notes are gone. And not only did I mess up the four spiritual laws last time, and I got nine, and, and so I added some gospel or something, but, but now I have no notes. And, and, and Pat, who knew me, said, well, Brady, you know, if you have like papers or stuff you want to show with me, uh, why don't you just talk to me about it later on at football practice? Well, we can do that another time. And I said, okay, well, Sure. I took the out that he gave me. I thought, I just got to get out of the situation. I don't want to be in this anymore. So I left, but I didn't think. I just punted that to tomorrow. And I had to figure out what to say tomorrow. And at that moment, the truth became real in my life. In hindsight, I can see that Pat did not need information from me. He needed a demonstration And jot that down. People don't need so much of information from you as much as they need a demonstration of the power of God in your life. How much time have we spent in church developing our four-point outlines and apologetic strategies to somehow persuade people? And these aren't all bad, but when people desperately need some kind of demonstration of what this speech is doing in your life. How do we say that God Loves you so much that he gave his only son, but I don't have a lot of time for you Or I don't have a lot of patience for you or I don't have much long-suffering for you Come follow me implies a relationship when Paul says follow me as I follow Christ. He's implying a relationship there today more than ever witnessing must begin with a relationship People don't care how much you've got in your head until they know that you're wanting to invest in their own life We need to earn the right to provide the life-changing gospel message I I heard a uh, quote the other day by a person who was an atheist and they said what's so offensive to me about Christians is is not the random conversation about Jesus they want to have it's the Quick abandonment that I feel as soon as their speech is over I thought whoa That is powerful This is not to say that out of a heart for relationship that I've got to take someone to coffee 613 times before I can speak about jesus This isn't to say that you can't meet someone for the first time and share the hope that you have in jesus But do you desire to have any kind of relationship with them? Would you love them with their life or is it just some notch on your spiritual belt of? Getting one more sales pitch in we've got to unlearn that the gospel witnessing is more than just a sales pitch See when we earn that right we can give advice and it can be received proverbs 25 verse 11 and the message says the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry It fits perfect for that moment back to the story of pat shank and I i'm there at his house and uh didn't have my notes, and he says, hey, why don't we talk at football practice the next day? Wednesday comes, we go to football practice, and it's during the summer, so it's two-a-day practices, and, and I meet him there, and I was hoping he'd forget, and he said, hey, Brady, what do you want to talk about? And I thought, oh. And I looked, and I had forgotten my notes again. Thank God that I lost my outline. Because what happened next, I don't know if you've experienced this, the things that came out of my mouth, I'm like, <laughs> that sounded pretty good. I cannot believe I said that. And it was very short. I said, well, Pat, I just wanted to talk to you about Jesus. Jesus is very important to me, and and you're important to me, and I thought you may want to know about Jesus. And as soon as I said I thought, that sounded pretty good. I don't know what's going to come out next, and nothing came out next. That was it. That was the beginning and the end of the gospel presentation for Pat. But God knew that Pat's heart was ripe. And he said, man, I've been wanting to talk to you about the church and God thing. You're the only person I know who goes to church and doesn't like yell at me for the things that I do. Can I go to church with you sometime? And I was like, uh, yeah. He goes, well, how about tonight? Don't you go on Wednesday night? I was like, yeah. And Pat came and through a sermon preached by somebody else, Pat accepted Christ. I had an opportunity to be a witness for Jesus, but it was not about a sales pitch. And God is calling you, he's calling me, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are to make disciples. You are to share the good news. And we have to unlearn. That means I've got to get a good sales pitch. That's not what it's about. The second thing we've got to unlearn is this myth that sharing the gospel is not my responsibility. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart set apart christ as lord always be prepared to give an answer To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have But do this with gentleness and respect Are you prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have? Now there's value in memorizing scripture There's value in being able to lead people to jesus through the words in the bible and don't misunderstand me That's good, but if that's all you have that's not enough You have to give a reason for the hope that you have. Not that you read or someone had you memorize. Is there something happening in your gut spiritually that there's anybody else who would want to know what's going on in your life? But here's the things we say. Well, someone else will do that. Well, really? Who? If not you, then who will reach them? Well, they already know Jesus. Brady, this is Fort Wayne, Indiana. This is like the Bible Belt. Everybody in my neighborhood goes to church. I can see the bumper stickers on their car. That person goes to this church. That person goes to that church. They love Jesus. Really? How do you know? How do you know that? All across America today, there are people in church who don't know Jesus. There's people in this room, by law of statistics, who most likely don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just telling you what the facts are. Just because I go to church doesn't mean that I've given Jesus my life. Maybe God wants you to give a reason for the hope that you have, not your sales pitch, not some condemnation that you pour out on them, but the reason for the hope that you have. Well, they don't want to know Jesus. Well, why not? Well, they wouldn't listen to me. Are you sure? Well, I don't know enough. Or, you know what? They're going to think that I'm a know-it-all. Isn't that interesting? Satan gets you to think you're on one of two sides. Some people say, I can't share my faith because I don't know anything. And then there's other people who say, I don't want to share my faith because they think I'm going to be the know-it-all. I don't know enough. I know too much. I don't know enough. It's not about you anyway. It's not about your sales bitch. Well, I haven't lived a life that was very colorful. It's kind of vanilla, and so they probably wouldn't relate to me. I've lived a life that's so horrible they would never listen to me. It's not about you anyway. It's about what Jesus has done in your life, whether it's been major, major radical transformation or you think that it's something of vanilla, but let me tell you what, it's radical nonetheless. The myth that it's not your responsibility has to go. It's not just your responsibility, it's your opportunity. I remember Scott who came into my office and he wanted to talk to me and he said brady i've got these teenagers in the neighborhood they're causing all kinds of problems i know they're the ones responsible for vandalism i know they're the ones that have scratched my car and they keep playing basketball in places where they're not supposed to and i just looked at scott i said scott maybe you're supposed to love on these students and and scott wasn't one that was that like received stuff like that very well so i was ready for scott to be mad at me Scott wasn't the first and definitely wasn't the last person to be mad at me. And I thought, well, here we go. Just, you know, I'll tell you what I think and then whatever. And uh, Scott said, you know, I think you're right. And I thought, well, this is kind of different. I'm I'm excited because I'm I'm pretty sure that you're open to something that God's doing. So Scott leaves and he goes and he says, you know what? I am going to love on these students. And so he starts to talk to them, the people that drove him nuts. He begins to listen to them. And then he begins to decide they don't have a place to play basketball. So he's going to create a place in his driveway where everybody's going to hang out and play basketball. And when they all come there, he's going to say, hey, guys, you know what? Let me move my car first so you don't scratch it. In fact, let's not do that to the other cars. And some of that stopped happening as well. And he built a relationship. And he came into my office the next week, and he was so excited. He said, you know what? I think I'm supposed to share Jesus with these students. I said, Scott, I'm confident you're supposed to share Jesus with these students. You're already doing it. And see, it wasn't just Scott's responsibility, it was his opportunity. And I began to see something in Scott. Now, you don't know Scott. I know Scott. Scott didn't have a lot of joy. Scott was a person you talked to, and before you talked to him, it's kind of like, well, it's, here's the Eeyore session. Oh, bother. But Scott had some joy in his voice, and I thought, what? Maybe we'll talk a little longer scott. This is kind of encouraging and it was an opportunity for him to fulfill what god had called him to do We got to unlearn that sharing the gospel is not our responsibility and it's it is our responsibility And it's more than a responsibility. It's an opportunity See when you become aware of your surroundings You become available to the living god I'm convinced that you and I, we can miss divine appointments every day if we're not careful. There are people who God wants us to love on. And are we sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit? Oh, I I don't have time, but I'm going to share it anyway. One of my favorite books is, is called Walking with God. And in this book, the author talks about experimenting that... Does God want to talk to me about everything? And then he gets to this weird idea that should I pray if I'm going to like have chicken or steak for lunch? And he discovers that it's not that I have to pray if I have chicken or steak, but maybe I get to pray. And maybe it's not about chicken or steak. Maybe it's about God knows that I like Chipotle for chicken and I like this other place for steak. And so maybe he's going to direct me to one place to have an encounter with somebody else. And then there's these divine appointments that come up, and there's an adventure that comes, and, and possibly, when we are aware of our surroundings, it could give God an opportunity to do all kinds of stuff for us and through us. See your availability, my availability, gives God the opportunity to do a miracle through us. Second Corinthians four, excuse me one, verse four says this: "He comforts us. In all our troubles, so that we can comfort others. I probably should have told you to plug your ears on that because that's going to mess up somebody's day. God comforts you not for your own comfort, God ministers to you not so you can just feel good. God wants you to feel good. But he wants you to minister to somebody else around you when others are troubled We will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us friend. Some of you are very uncomforted today You feel very hurt and lost, but you know, jesus You've been in the body of christ and there's a bitterness growing on you and friend. I love you enough I want to call it out. Who are you comforting? Who are you loving? Well, i'm going through such a tough time in my life then love people even more Because the very love that God has given you, it's not for yourself. It's to give to others. Well, it's hard. I think it was kind of hard on the cross. I think it was kind of hard when you're paying the price for the sins of the world and you've not committed a sin yourself. Jesus says, no greater love has anyone seen than the one who lays down his life. That's what Jesus did for us. And we are called to do that for our brothers and sisters. Make it a goal each day to look for someone to comfort with the good news of Jesus. Third, we need to unlearn the myth that just words are enough. I remember going to Chicago Dough Pizza. It's a pizza shop across from all about Nazarene University, the place that I went to college. And it was good pizza. It's deep dish pizza. 18,000 calories a slice pizza. Cook it for an hour and 15 minutes to get it all done pizza. Oh, it's good. And I'm sitting there across the table with one of my friends. We're both religion students, and we're enjoying this amazing pizza. And then I can overhear the waitress who's been waiting on us at the table next to us kind of muttering under her breath. Then she makes her way over to our table, and she's going to tell us what's on her mind, and we didn't even ask. And I see that she's holding in her hand one of these photocopied fake million-dollar bills. And I'd seen it before I couldn't read it in her hand, but I'd seen it before It's the kind that says god is better than all the money in the world and it lists some bible verses And she's holding this and she says to my friend and I at the table She says god may be better than all the money in the world, but it doesn't feed my kids And I thought I think my friend and I just went to school but she wasn't our waitress. We hadn't given that, but it broke my heart. And, and we wanted to make up the difference for the tip for our Christian brother and sister who probably had good intentions but were really lousy at this. Friend, I am so tired of just words getting us off the hook. We need more love and less words. Now, if you like that track and you have those tracks, I'm not saying those are bad things. But if you use that especially for your waiter or waitress, tip like 50%. Don't be stingy if you're going to do something like that In fact, one of my favorite times to over tip is find a waiter or waitress who they know not just you They know they've blown it like they've blown it bad Really really bad Then just tip them huge You can just say you know what? I've been getting things that I don't deserve from God. It's such a blessing. I love giving things It doesn't matter what you've done or hadn't done God may want to speak through you. You see, words by themselves are not enough. Do you know people who make empty promises, the people who say things, these outrageous claims that are not true, they don't live up to them, what do you do with a person like that? Pretty soon you begin to ignore them. And then every time they speak, their words make you nauseous. 1 John 3 says, We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian friends. But if one of you has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. Let's stop saying we love each other. And let's really do it. The fourth and final thought I think that we need to unlearn today Unlearn this myth that just actions are enough. The same as just words aren't enough, just actions by themselves are not enough. Actions by itself will not bring the wholeness of the message of Jesus Christ. Just like these words alone don't do it, actions alone don't do it either. You know, there are great organizations that do great things for people. The United Way. Habitat for humanity toys for tots. There's scores of organizations that can do good things But they don't do it in the name of jesus christ. Now if those are one of your favorite organizations I'm, not speaking down on them. I'm just saying it doesn't get you off the hook Every christ follower is to have words and actions and let your actions and your words speak of the love that jesus has given to you What are you doing in the name of jesus christ? our mission is to love in the name of christ Proverbs 16, verse 23 and 24 tells us from a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. People want to hear when we speak in love of the truth of Jesus Christ, the action and the words together. As we bring this to a close... I don't know if you've heard the term evangelism before. Anybody heard that term? Evangelism. Not evangelism. Evangelism. Alright, cool. We're going to learn something together. The Urban Dictionary defines evangelism as vandalism with Christian or religious slogans. Evangelism is the Jesus saves spray-painted on the overpass. A vandalism is the turn-or-burn words on the bathroom stall. It always is interesting to me, the oxymoron of sharing the good news of Jesus by disrespecting other people's property and doing something illegal. I think it takes a little bit far, by all means, do what it takes to get the message out. And this seems absurd. I don't know about you. I've never taken a can of spray paint and went to my neighbor's garage and sprayed on there. Jesus loves you. And walked away and felt good about myself. I've never even done that. I haven't spray painted on his house. But is it possible? But by the things that we say or the things that we do or the things that we don't say or the things that we don't do, could it be possible that we are vandalizing the people around us with christian slogans with no love to back it up those words from that atheist are ringing through my ear it's not so offensive that christians come up with a random conversation about jesus it's how fast i'm abandoned as soon as their speech is done maybe maybe god wants to do something in us Like Jesus was telling the twelve. Like Jesus told the seventy-two. Well, what do we do with this? Here's some take-home steps for us to pray through this week. Maybe God is asking you to start a new relationship. Now, don't pray that if you don't really want to have one. Because He'll bring somebody to you. You may not... Feel comfortable around them. They may not look like you. They may not smell like you. They may not talk like you. You may have nothing in common with them. But if you look for a new relationship, God will bring you one. Also, begin to look for an opportunity to be available for God to use you. And then also, use intentional actions to share your faith. Not just your words. Intentional acts of love that give opportunities for you to talk about where your hope comes from. And finally, be bold to speak. Friend, maybe we're struggling in our faith because we are not doing what God has created us to do. How many Christians say, God feels boring to me? God is dead. It's because you don't accept the adventure that He's called you to. I comfort you so you can comfort others in my name. I give love to you so you can love others in my name. I bring salvation to you, forgiveness. Justification adoption regeneration for you so you can give that in my name to someone around you Friend when we celebrate big and you hear me say that's only half of who we are when we connect in smaller gatherings And we care for each other and we learn from God's word and we talk about serving somebody besides ourselves, This is what it's about This isn't some kind of spectator sport when you wait for someone else to do it. This isn't some kind of a solo thing where I'm just going to go on a crusade by myself. God has knit you together with other Christian brothers and sisters to intentionally impact the people around you out of the overflow of what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. As we pray together, let's ask God to take his word of challenge and let it take root in our soul this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the good news you've given to us in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll help us to unlearn these myths about witnessing, that we've got to conjure up some sales pitch It's all about the way we present it, the myth that it's not really our responsibility, it's what the pastor does, or what some saint who's been living for you for 70 years does, but not the average Christian. Jesus, help us unlearn those lies. Help us unlearn, Jesus, that it's just words that you want. Help us unlearn, Jesus, that it's just actions that you want. Help us with your power to be witnesses at home, across the street, and around the world. Because we recognize, Jesus, that when you said to wait for the power of your Spirit... It was not so we could feel good about Sunday morning church. It was not so we could feel all warm fuzzy about our denomination. You said wait for the power of my spirit so we could be witnesses for you across the street, across town, and around the world. God, would you remind us today that this is what you have created us to be a part of. It's in your precious and powerful name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen and amen. As you go today, I challenge you to take some of the scriptures we talked about today. Matthew 10, Luke 10, some of the others we talked about. Read them, meditate on them, chew on them. Allow God to breathe even more on the beginning of what he wants to say to you, not just the end of the day. Don't miss tonight at 6 o'clock. Come support our student ministry. Hear the report of how they made themselves available to God and what God did through them and in them. God bless you. You're dismissed.